yet another late edited episode and yet another episode with added context um so before we get into the episode proper just want to go through and say that well during it of course discussing a lot of the things going on with the blizzard lawsuit and all the other legal actions that have been going on uh things have gotten even you know crazier uh since i actually recorded it last wednesday and during the episode, I tried to be, you know, the hopeful, optimistic, maybe Jen O'Neill didn't quit, you know, because, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard was just such a hopeless case that she had just given up with the thoughts of uh, being able to make any meaningful changes. And, well, that was a lie. And because more context has come out and added that Jen left because she found the situation uh outside of her what she felt her ability to make meaningful change at the company not to mention she couldn't even get a contract to be paid an equal amount to the the co-lead uh michael yabara which is just if you're gonna hire two people to be more inclusive you know one one a man and one a woman to try and co-lead the company and show look you know we understand we're gonna try and make things better the bare minimum that you could do is at least pay both of them an equal amount. Now, of course, they did eventually offer Jen an equal amount after she tendered her resignation, uh, which feels more like a legal cop-out. But, you know, there you have it. Uh, I'll be talking more about this next week's episode. Do plan on recording on Wednesday. Uh, so that would be the Wednesday, the, let me pull it up on the computer here, the 24th. Um, so, but until then, I'll let you go ahead and get, uh, into the, uh, the episode proper, and I wish you all some, uh, fun times. Oh, hi! It's, it hasn't so much been a while, but I know for those that, um, that listen to, uh, that listen to the podcast, which is the majority of the users, or the people that catch it on YouTube and such, I, uh, I was severely late with uh, actually getting the prior episode uploaded because it's like I went through, recorded the episode, was getting all ready to set and go, and then boom, everything that I was talking about like happened, you know. And then of course, well, I'll 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 edit it, you know, I'll edit a little intro and put it together, um, you know, uh, in a in a day, and and then like. Then, like, the next thing. So, like, we got, you know, I was talking about, like, Diablo Immortal. And then the Diablo Immortal beta, like, happened. And then the Diablo 3 PTR happened. And then there was, like, some lawsuit updates. And, you know, so a whole bunch of stuff all going through and happening. Uh, so, while the last episode, episode 219, was waiting for updates, well, I'd like to welcome you to episode 220. We got those updates because, man, um, yeah. Answers for almost every single question went through and came up. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, we've got we've got some new updates uh, for the Diablo 3, because we've got the, the PTR. We've got some little tiny updates for uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected. Uh, and of course, we've got a ton of things to discuss when it comes to Diablo Immortal. But first, there, of course, have been some updates in the ongoing legal troubles that Activision Blizzard is in the middle of due to some accusations based on the, the state of California uh, in the, the lawsuit, uh, the workers' discrimination lawsuit against them. And, you know, some of these things are 
positives. As I was uh, mentioning in the last episode, or a little mini-update that I gave in the front of the previous episode, if you watch the show um, on the VOD on Twitch, or if you uh, watch it live and haven't listened to the YouTube or the actual edited podcast versions, uh, we had talked about you know Activision Blizzard not acknowledging it had been three months and uh, ATVI was not acknowledging the demands of uh, a better ABK, their worker alliance, kind of like uh, the workers' rights group that they're trying to move forward with and you know, pseudo you know trying to form a union, something like that. Um, and well, you know, um, they actually came through and acknowledged some of those demands that they uh, that they were going through and making. And I mean, it's it's not like I you know it's like I say demands. It, it's a very uh, strong term, of course. And just to just to be clear, it's um it, it's not really that bad, you know. The the four demands that. Um, the uh, a better ABK Workers Alliance made of Activision Blizzard was one to end mandatory arbitration clauses in all employee contracts, current and future. Uh, two, adopt a uh, the adoption of uh, recruiting, interviewing, hiring, and promotion policies designed to improve representation among employees at all levels. Uh, agreed upon by employees in a company wide diversity, equity, and inclusion organization. Uh, current practices have led to uh, women, in particular women of color and transgender women, uh, non-binary people and other marginalized groups that were vulnerable to gender discrimination not being hired fairly for new roles when compared to men. Um, number three, publication of data on relative cons uh, compensation, so like uh, benefits packages, you know, salaries, things of that nature. And number four, empower a company-wide diversity and equity inclusion task force uh, to hire a third party to audit ABK's reporting structure, HR department, and executive staff. Uh, because it is imperative to identify how current systems have failed to prevent employee harassment and to propose new solutions to address these issues. Those are the four demands that uh, the uh, a better ABK Workers Alliance made of the company. And now it has been three, it took three months, but Activision uh, did finally acknowledge and actually uh, go forward with some of those demands. Uh, they didn't go through and meet some, all of them, and there are, of course, there's some little caveats on some of the things that we're going to be discussing. But it, it should be noted that at least they went through and did that because you have um, a similar situation happening over at Riot, and everybody knows the big, um, you know, sexual harassment um, litigation that went on uh, three years ago in 2018 against Riot that is still ongoing. And even though all of the light has been on Blizzard and Activision, um, the state of California also filed a lawsuit against Riot at the, you know a couple of months before it filed the one against Blizzard. So they're, they're in a very similar case. They've not uh, answered any of the commands. And another very public one has been uh, Ubisoft, which earlier this year has gone through its own sh uh, share of like uh, you know corporate BS and things like that, a very similar stories of everything that we've had coming out of Blizzard, which Ubisoft themselves have also failed to go through and acknowledge any of the, the demands um, or concerns that their employees had. Uh, so there there is something to be said that ATVI is at least um, acknowledging you know some of these demands and moving forward on some of them as well. Uh, and so last week, uh, Bobby Kotick, the CEO of ATVI, uh, put forth a, a letter 
uh, that went through and discussed some of the steps that Activision is going to be taking forward in the future in order to try and improve um, the, the workplace you know, from the, the bottom up. And so one of the things that they're going to be doing is they're going to be launching a new zero tolerance uh, harassment policy company-wide um, because they acknowledge that their enforcement of the, the current, you know, uh, zero tolerance harassment policy isn't equal. Some people get fired, some people get a talking to, some people get put on suspension. And so they want to try and have a uh, better uh, process uh, that's more uniform and holding everybody accountable to the same level. Uh, they also, uh, in that one, talk about, uh, you know, that they're they're wanting to go through and hold, like, new internal investigations and that if someone has been going through and found uh, to be, you know, violating these policies, that they will retroactively hold them accountable uh, for some of these things. Um, you know, it it's... It comes close to the things that they're going through and asking for because the Worker Alliance is specifically asking for a third party uh, to come in and audit the company's policies and look at it because right now uh, Activision Blizzard has, uh, uh, you know, Wilmer Hale, a known union-busting firm that kind of, like, helps clean corporate messes up but leaves the power structure still in place. Uh, and so it really just makes things better on the corporate side, not so much for the employees. Uh, next, uh, down the list, uh, you know, in this letter, they say that they will uh, increase the percentage of women and non-binary people in their workforce by 50% and will invest, invest $250 million to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent. Um, and that's one of those ones is that as of, you know, the, the writing of this letter last week, approximately 23% of their global employee population identifies as a woman or non-binary. And so what these practices are actually set up to do, um, you know, they, they want to increase uh, that, you know, workforce by 50%, which still only puts it, you know, 34, 35% of the workforce ended up, you know, being, you know, women are non-binary. It's not like they're trying to push straight for 50-50, you're a dude, you're getting fired or anything like that. It's just that they want to, as they build up their company, they want to be uh, more inclusive in the, the hiring practices. They also are going to be investing uh, money and resources into trying to, um, you know, have uh, better initiatives that expand the possibilities. Uh, some of that involves, you know, whether it be, um, you know, uh, grants or scholarships or things for people looking to get into gaming or just programs to help them get jobs, specifically at Activision Blizzard. They're also going to be developing some programs or guides to help uh, better cultivate talent from within, people that are already working there in order to try and, and better them so that way they can grow um, people that are already working at the company into uh, these more uh, leadership style positions. And this is something that's important because it's not just like doing equality for equality's sake. If, if you go back over the last couple of months of the stories that we've heard from the, the employees and such, where it was like at the point that you you have to give like your notes and data that you took to one of your male colleagues in a business meeting because if you said it, no one would care. But if you got a guy to say it, all of a sudden it becomes relevant. You know, those, those are the types of things that these policies are intended in order to try and, you know, subdue or create. You know, and it keeps coming down to like that whole bro culture. Uh, and, you know, the, the frat boy culture, I should say, is uh, better. 
know, because it's just like, oh, you, you'll listen to a guy, but, you know, as it's just a, a woman flapping her gums. Th those are the things that they're trying to, you know, improve. They're trying to get rid of those people or, you know, hopefully, um, you know, teach them, you know, get them to, to better understand that, hey, you're being a douche. Let the lady talk. She's making some good points. Those are the types of things that these policies are, at least from what we see, intended in order to curb. Whether they follow through with that, that's going to take time, possibly years. It sucks. It really sucks that it's like you can't just, you're not just going to snap your fingers and solve all the problems. I mean, look at the, look at civil rights in the U.S. Here we are, you know, 50, 60 years later, and we still haven't figured it out. You know, so this is this is definitely something that's going to take time, and this probably isn't going to be the the last time that this particular story is heard. You know, over you know uh, many years, even even there, the Activision Blizzard themselves, of course, is acknowledging this that the investment, the two hundred fifty million dollars that they're investing into these initiatives and such, is over the course of ten years in order to take these steps and uh, build it up. And even then, there there are opportunities to try and expand uh, their workforce. You know, by the in, in, increasing their diversity hires and promotions by that 50% is a is a five-year process. So these are things that are take time. No one's going to be losing their jobs overnight. You know, just because you're a dude. You know, or just because you know you're you know you're um, in an overrepresented group, whether you're like white or in a lot of these jobs, you know, Asian or something like that. Uh, it's you know it's it's you know the, you're not you're not in danger. They're just trying to make it even across the board because there's obviously um, a lot of disparity because it's a lot of frat boys hiring and promoting frat boys they're, they're just going and not necessarily even giving people of uh, this isn't even like oh you're just hiring the best person for the job no you're hiring the guy that you like in your last you know uh, you know cube crawl that you had and that, that's what a lot of these issues you know stem from uh, the next one down is, of course, uh, based on feedback from employees. We are wavering required arbitration of sexual uh, harassment and discrimination claims. Now, uh, a better ABK's original um, demand is that they just end forced arbitration across the board. Uh, and so this is one that they're, they're specifically only waiving forced arbitration for sexual harassment or discrimination claims. Uh, but anything else... Uh, it's still going to be uh, forced arbitration, you know. So you you have to prove that it's a discrimination uh, that you didn't get a pay raise, as opposed to just oh your manager didn't like you, and so well your manager didn't like you, but not based on you being a woman or the color of your skin or anything, you know, just didn't like you. So now we got to go to arbitration, you know, and all the additional legal steps that that might you know take in order to prove that yeah they didn't promote me because I am a woman, you know, or what have you. Um, you know, they, they will continue to uh, increase uh, visibility on pay uh, equity uh, by releasing a annual report of what their pay uh, representation is across the company, but not, you know, individually or as in-depth or in-detailed as anybody would want because it's like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, because uh, even, uh, what is it? Uh, in fact, our U.S. analysis showed that women at the company on average earned slightly more than men for comparable work in 2020. Uh, but in order to ensure uh, transparency on continuing uh, commitment to pay equity, we will report these results annually. 
And of course, that's you know them going through and saying that, and you just have to believe their numbers. As opposed to just publishing the, the data out there and letting people see, because it's something that, uh, just, you know, case in point. Uh, you have someone that's worked at the company for five or six years that is still, you know, like an associate, uh, but has been, you know, and has been passed on promotions because of discrimination against them because they're, say, a woman. Uh, but they still have gotten, you know, pay raises and they've taken a lot of extra work and stuff like that. So they've been, they've been compensated okay for their position. And so now they're like the highest paid associate, you know, job title. Uh, but in all honesty, because the, you know, another employee that was hired at the same exact time has gotten two promotions in that same like five or six year time period and so now they're making considerably more money um but because they have a different uh they have a different job title it doesn't show so that's just like one of those instances where these metrics might not necessarily be uh 100 reflective of what's actually happening because if you can't guarantee that people of equal talent and skill are also being promoted equally when you have nine different job titles to associate, like associate producer, producer, senior producer, lead producer, game producer, you know, principal producer, senior producer two, principal two, you know, all these other types of levels and stuff like that. And that you just keep continuing to add extra, 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 extra to you know give people higher and higher at the top more and more pay raises and is sure you can say that you know oh yeah women women earn more because they're all associates and none of them are seniors you know and so they're just you know they're associate producers that have worked here for 10 years and all the other you know everyone else that uh, was hired at the same time has all been you know promoted many times and they're making considerably more but you know it just it's, it's fair for the job title right that's that's where that's where the issues with still hiding behind you know the that that curtain and not actually revealing the individual data itself um it's something that i'm i'm always big on you know discussing pay is federally protected um you know, you, you are 100% allowed to discuss pay. And if your company retaliates against you, it's a lawsuit uh, that you can go through and uh, happen. Obviously, you've got to weigh is the money that you would get in compensation for the lawsuit worth, you know, the, the whole getting fired aspect. But, you know, who's to say? Depends on how good your lawyer is, right? Uh, but it is, it's, it's a federally protected right in order to discuss pay, regardless of what your company's policies are. And, but companies do that because the uh, the less information you have about what your peers are making, um, the less information you have which to try and you know barter uh, or you know talk your way into being compensated fairly. You know it's something that a lot of the times that just because someone is earning more doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing more or performing better. It could very you know nepotism is real. Nepotism it runs uh, you know runs corporations through and through uh so you might very well not be making as much money as your cube mate 
because he's you know the uh, the manager's you know next door neighbor or something, and they hang out and go fishing every weekend. So, whereas for like the last two years, you've gotten you know like five six percent raises, he's gotten ten twelve percent raises, just because oh yeah, well we'll fudge the numbers a little bit and just make them look better, regardless of what your your payloads are looking like. Uh, and then finally, the last thing in the Activision letter is we will provide regular progress updates, uh, you know, and this kind of comes into the, the whole request, the pseudo, re you know, acknowledging the request where they want an outside company to go through and audit, you know, the, the changes that ATVI is happening, but they're, they're just doing it internally and saying, well, here's what we found, you know, because everybody trusts the corporation that was hiding all of this thing for years, decades, what have you. Um... And so, you know, while it is it is good uh, that they're taking steps, I will I will again say this: they are taking steps. They are being very uh, corporate about it and still protecting their own interests. Uh, but they're doing better than everybody else. So, you know, gotta give them something, right? Uh, because uh, what is it? One of the one of the other ones is. Um, uh, just uh, two days ago, uh, they also announced... Oh, yeah, and also in that letter, Bobby Kotick took a pay cut. So instead of being his, like, annual salary of, like, $200,000 or something like that, he's dropping down to, like, the $64,000, $67,000, which is, like, the, the minimum amount that you can work as a salaried employee in California. You know, and so they legally can't be paid less than that um, type thing. Uh, you know... The man just made the guy a hundred and fifty million dollar bonus check this year. Who cares, right? You're, you know, the man has so much in stock. His dividends, you know, will probably pay him uh, a couple million dollars over the course of the year. So let's be real. That the him taking a pay cut is token at best. That's if he doesn't accept his bonuses. And I think, you know, you know, we could, he could go through, he did say that I also don't want any bonuses and it has to be approved by the board, which is true. That, you know, those things, compensation packages do have to be uh, approved by the board. He can't just say, don't pay me a bonus. It, you know, they have to do these things because that's how contracts work. Uh, but, you know, a year from now, if the story's blown over and they win their lawsuit and all of the other types of things, do you think anyone would really notice or care if he goes ahead and collects, like, an $80 million bonus check? I don't, you know, let's just be honest. Like, the the news and things like that is it's very fickle. People's attention spans are very fickle. Um, so that, that one is just, it's a nothing burger. Uh, you know, who, who really cares? Uh, but while we're talking about pay... Um, you know, two days ago, um, it was announced that, uh, the, I, let's rewind a little bit further than two days ago. A couple of weeks ago, there were some rumors that, um, Activision Blizzard might be forcing their contract workers into taking unpaid leave during the holidays, and that was creating some, uh, commotion and such, uh, and so we then had, earlier this week, um, they made an announcement that, um, all temporary workers will receive Thanksgiving and winter breaks as paid time off. Uh, this is uh, contract employees. This is something that a lot of industries do, particularly the video game industry, that a very large majority of your workers, even ones that had been there for five or six years, are actually contract workers. That they basically work 
six month or one year long contracts that they just resign. Uh, but one of the things that this does is that a lot of times um, contract workers don't have to receive the same benefits. A lot of times they just don't receive any benefits. Um, and that you can kind of like have some divisions in there where you can force them to take pay time off and other things like that. Uh, generally you see this in a lot of like AAA games because well we got to ship this and so you might have like a one-year contract or a two-year contract uh, up until the game ships and then your contract is over and you go um, somewhere else to find a job uh, or they may be extended on for another year or two until they open up a permanent position and you become a full-time employee uh, but when I say temporary workers, because I'm just reading what the address is, this is, uh, could also be synonymous with contract workers, uh, because I'll also be using that term uh, shortly thereafter, uh, because there's always, you know, two sides to everything, right? Um, so all temporary workers will be receiving Thanksgiving and winter breaks as paid time off. Uh, they are increasing the, minimally, the minimum hourly rate for all temporary employees to $17 per hour. And then on January 1st, 2022, all temporary workers will receive 13 paid holidays each year. Uh, our agency partners have agreed to match the sick uh, paid time off that we offered to Blizzard temporary employees, increasing the number of uh, curable sick days to nine days each year. Those employed by Blizzard already have this benefit, so this is one of those things where this is a company-wide to Activision Blizzard. Um, Blizzard was already offering um, you know, the, uh, the the paid time off, but now the company as a whole uh, is going to be, you know, excuse me, getting those uh, paid time off, those uh, sick days. Uh, and then they're also going to begin new career growth and learning programs as part of the temporary workers development with additional information on that is forthcoming. Now that is, of course, you know, really cool. Because in addition to the, the nine paid days off, you get the 13 paid holidays, generally those things like Christmas, Thanksgiving, some companies will do Thanksgiving in, you know, Black Friday, um, you know, uh, like, they'll do, like, you know, the Easter Monday, uh, where you have, like, the, the good Monday, like, if July 4th falls on a Saturday or Sunday, you get, like, the Friday or Monday off, you know, thing, things such as that, where you get those additional paid holidays. I have to say that is more than triple the amount of PTO I get every year at my company, um, you know, and, like, if I work, I fucking work Christmas, and then they'll be like, oh, we'll give you one extra PTO day. Great, now I've got eight for working Christmas. Thank you so much. Um, not bitter at all, but still, it's that's great. Those are uh, it's, uh, great improvements. Uh, it's good to see that they are uh, moving forward with uh, increasing the, uh, the, the pay um, and the uh, benefits package to their contract workers. Um, you know, and that's something that you don't see a lot in the video game industry or a lot of industries where contract workers uh, are, you know, just just slightly above, you know, minimum wage slaves where they're treated as such. You get no PTO, you get no benefits, you just come in and you do work and then that's it. Um, it's just a way to circumvent a lot of labor laws and things of uh, that nature. Um, and it's all good, right? That's all good. That's great. Those are uh, perfect steps forward showing that the company... Uh, really cares about improving their culture, improving their workplace, empowering their workers. Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, it seems that on the same day, actually, Activision fired, uh, filed um, a, uh, a claim in their ongoing lawsuit with California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing uh, trying to remove contract workers from the lawsuit 
uh, because they said that they were added uh, improperly. That they, they missed the time frame in order to add the contract workers into the suit because the state of California um, filed the suit and then later amended adding contract workers uh, into the lawsuit as well. And then Activision Blizzard is trying to claim that, well, they were added too late, so you've got to take them out. Um, you can't you can't add them into that. In addition to uh, further trying to um, discredit the state of California's lawsuit against them, saying that uh, they're acting um, sloppy improperly, that they're coming at this over aggressively, uh, and that they're trying to um, dismiss uh, three additional claims of the uh, eleven that were brought forward by the state of California. Uh, they're they're trying to um, uh, eliminate the employee discrimination because of sex. Uh, they're they're trying to get rid of employment. Um, uh, the what is it that people were being terminated uh, because of discrimination against sex, and that those cases being brought up that there was employee discrimination because of sex, where there were being uh, constructive discharges, uh, as well as other things about like the waiver of rights uh, procedures and things. Uh, that they are actively trying to undermine this case in any way, shape, or form that they can, uh, while at the same time at the federal level, the EEOC, the Equal Employment um, you know, Commission, is trying to get the state of California's case uh, thrown out because they want their win, the federal government wants their um, case to move forward, uh, and obviously Activision Blizzard wants the federal case to go forward, because with the federal case, they have that, again, if you're not familiar, the EEOC's uh, case that they said that they had talks break down with Activision Blizzard, and so they were filing a lawsuit in court, and then a couple hours later, they reached a settlement agreement for $18 million, which $18 million is supposed to cover, you know, years, if not a couple of decades worth of sexual harassment. So for the low, low price, somewhere between a little bit less than a million to a million and a half dollars per year, you're allowed to sexually discriminate and harass your employees. Deal, right? Awesome. Because if you go through and you're someone that was affected um, in this case, and you go through to claim compensation out of that fund, uh, you have to waive all of your rights. You you waive Activision Blizzard of any wrongdoing uh, that they might have uh, you know that might have happened under their watch, uh, and that that's it. That's the end of the story. So if you uh, so that's why uh, the state of California is is filed an injunction to stop the federal case from going through because if it does and people start signing up to take that compensate from that compensation fund, those are fewer people that they can call as witnesses in the state of California because now that they are bound from holding Blizzard accountable for any of their actions. And so this whole big, you know, giant, more or less dick measuring contest about who gets to hold Activision Blizzard accountable um, and just it, it like, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad you know, because this is just, like, corporate greed at, at its finest. Right? No, it's just, yeah, you know, look at look at this little shiny thing over here on the side. Look, we're, we're, we're bumping up the, the pay of our contract workers, right? While actively trying to fuck them in the lawsuit. Yeah! On to Diablo news. 
<sighs> it just uh, it gets better. It gets better every every episode, right? And but that's that's why I will continue to cover it, love it or hate it. I will continue to cover you know updates in the lawsuit um, at the beginning of every single episode because I want Blizzard to be better. I want Blizzard to do better. I want Blizzard to be the company that I remember them being when I was ignorant of all of this stuff happening. Because it's, I've said it before, it's not so much that 15 years ago this shit wasn't happening, it was. It was happening, you know, two years ago, it was happening five years ago, it was happening ten years ago, very well was probably happening 15 years ago. You know, if not even longer than that. It wasn't that the blizzard that we remember, it wasn't happening, we just didn't know. Now we know. And uh, I would, I do not want to go back. I want Blizzard to be as I remembered it, where they weren't doing this, these types of things, you know. And you know, there, there's, there's still hope. They, they can change. You know, they're, they're going through and they're getting rid of some of the, the, the alleged perpetrators of these actions, and we hope that they'll get rid of, you know, or hold accountable all of them. Then we'll wait and see. Uh, and before I actually get into the straight uh, Diablo news, I do have one more rant, uh, and that is um, this uh, this past weekend, uh, Riot Games and Netflix launched their League of Legends TV show, Arcane, with its first three episodes, or as they're calling Act 1, uh, to tell a uh, story. And I know like nothing about League of Legends. I played the game like 12 years ago and I think I got to like level 20-ish or something. I, I don't even know what the max level is anymore or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I know nothing about the, the lore, the character, or the history. God, that show was good. Those three episodes were amazing. The The art style was great. The, the writing and the character development was amazing. I actually, knowing nothing about the series, I liked all of those characters. And then going through and then looking them up, some of those characters never even existed before. They're like not in the game. And it was just like, well, I'm invested in them now. You know, some of them are, some of them aren't. You know, they're made up just for the show or whatever. But it's, it's so good and enthralling. And I'm just left wondering afterwards, like... How many years has it been, you know, since, you know, it, it leaked that Blizzard was looking for a showrunner to make a Diablo animated series with Netflix? And we, we've, of course, you know, what was it? It was two years ago we learned, you know, that the there's a, the um, a VP at the Activision Blizzard Studios had updated his LinkedIn profile that he was like an executive producer for the Diablo Netflix show. Uh, and then that all quickly got removed and everything. And then we've hear, heard zero about it since then. Nothing. Nada. Uh, not from, like, the Diablo sites. Not from video game, uh, you know, sites. Not from movie and TV shows, investigative journal sites and things like that. That leads me to believe it, it's, it's just gone, you know. That's like one of those things, like, if it was just Blizzard going through and making it themselves, sure, they can go through and keep a lid on that type of thing. But because they're, like, contracting, like, outside studios and other things like that going through and working on it, 
that that type of stuff gets out like that stuff gets known i mean that's why we even know about it in the first place because they were working with netflix in order to go through and work on it and that is how it got leaked in the first place and it's just like what happened you know, it's like if they're waiting on it and they don't want to pull the trigger on it or something until we get closer to Diablo 4, which, you know, as we'll cover in the episode, got, you know, quote-unquote delayed um, uh, that we learned in this last earnings call. Um, you know, that it's that even that doesn't make sense because you don't want to launch a TV show right when Diablo 4 launches. because you, you want people playing Diablo 4 and not watching your TV show. Now is like the perfect time. Next year, you know, is going to be the perfect time to launch a Diablo TV show. You got the hype rolling where, you know, um, engagement with Diablo 3 is at all-time high. You know, interest in the Diablo franchise because of the Diablo 2 Resurrection launch is at an all-time high. Next year, you're going to be going through and getting millions of new players with Diablo Immortal going through, breaking into the mobile market. That is at, like, the, the peak when you want to get everybody sucked in, make an awesome, like, TV show, something like Arcane or Castlevania, or, hell, even mediocre, like, the Resident Evil Netflix show that came out, like, last month. You know? Just to pull people in and get people interested, you know, with the, the game, the franchise. Because someone might just be clicking through on Netflix and be like, oh, what's this? Oh, that's cool. Oh, I can play that game. I, I, I enjoyed that show. I can play it on my phone. Sure, why not? You know, or it's all, it was on Xbox. Yeah, okay, I'll give it a try. You know, that's, that's the type of thing that you want. It just, it keeps, it keeps the hits coming, right? Because you, you're waiting in between, like, your big releases, and that's when this third-party media is supposed to keep you engaged, keep you wanting more, keep the taste going until you drop Diablo 4. And it just, it's like... Man, they've been so bad at this. You know, World like Warcraft should have had like some sort of like web short TV show ages ago, like forever ago. Overwatch should have launched with a TV show, right? They had all this stuff with Overwatch and all those great character vignettes and such that were so engaging. I barely played the game, but I cared who Tracer was. I cared about you know, Soldier 76 and all those other types of stuff. You know, I thought those characters were cool and engaging. And then there is zero story in your game. And then you try and push it forward with like comics and then like little, uh, uh, little more character vignettes and changing the art style and all those other types of stuff. And while it's cool, it's distracting in a non-uniform way. It's like you should just, like just make an internal show. You know, expand your cinematics department. Make it you know a studio and just churn out your own like tv show you know that's what they should have done and they should have done it with overwatch and they could have done it then with all the other franchises at that point right i mean you look at it it's just like uh you know castlevania was like two years per tv show or per season ish you know they waited like the four episodes that start and then they waited a year for like eight episodes and it was like two years you know for like 10 and then like another year for that you know it's like you've got not not everything has to be it's not like it's, it's not the 90s anymore you don't launch your new tv shows in september and then have to have it wrapped up in june and then take the summer off you know it's like things are just like yeah just launch it whenever you know you could be like she-ra and do 
five seasons in two years or you can do two seasons in three you know it's it's flexible you've got you can do it you just have to i don't know do it it's just i there's obviously something that goes on at blizzard or activision blizzard that just i don't know they just trip up over themselves it's like, like that that seeking perfection or or something else it's like just god damn it just do it and don't don't let it be like another Heroes of the Storm, where if you remember, it was um, Blizzard Dota, you know, back in the day. And in between the announcement of Blizzard Dota as a mod for or a paid mod for like StarCraft Two or premium mod, whatever it was for StarCraft Two, and then getting spun out into its own game in the StarCraft Two engine, uh, you know, the the announced to launch in in that middle of that announcement. They announced, like, Valve announced Dota 2 and then launched Dota 2 before them. You know, and, well, Dota 2 is still alive and kicking with great support and, you know, hundreds of millions of fans. And Heroes of the Storm got, like, effectively shut down, like, two years ago. You know, so it's just, it's like, you know, don't, don't let it be where you're so wrapped up with being perfect that you fail to do something in time because that's what i feel heroes of the storm had launched earlier and didn't have that long drawn out you know like production obviously i don't i don't i don't work in games development i know that there's a lot of stuff that goes through and happens and such but it just always seems at blizzard a lot of times they they miss the boat on certain things there was a with league of legends at the time was skyrocketing in popularity they, you know, Valve went out and grabbed, you know, um, the people that had made the Dota mod, or some of the people that had made the Dota mod, because they wanted to get in on, you know, the, uh, the, the MOBA market. Blizzard saw some opportunities there, but were just slow to cultivate it, where these other studios went through and capitalized on it. You know, there's also, like, Smite and some other, you know, smaller, you know, um, uh, MOBAs out there that have found niches and were able to exist in this ecosystem. Uh, but just, you know, you're, there's certain things that you have to capitalize on and you have to do them in a timely manner uh, before the train sails, like kind of like what happened to Heroes of the Storm. Like, you know, the, the train left the station, the ship sail, sailed, the, the market was oversaturated with MOBAs. Uh, and then only a few were able to survive, uh, you know, or were able to actually claim enough attention in order to go through and survive. And a lot of the other ones just died off because the support wasn't there. Heroes of the Storm, unfortunately, was one of those ones. And, you know, the, the, the Blizzard name doesn't just carry that weight, especially nowadays, anymore to demand that type of attention. They have to fight uh, for that, you know, just like any other type of major studio, just because... Uh, there's, you know, I guess like Nintendo is really the only studio out there that doesn't really have to fight, you know, for in order to uh, keep their fan base anymore. But, you know, just because you're just because you're a longtime fan of Assassin's Creed doesn't mean that you're going to pick up like every Assassin's Creed game. If the, the reviews are terrible, you probably will pass on it. You know, you, you still have to put out a, a constant quality product in order to go and get those things. Blizzard used to just be like, oh, it's a Blizzard title. I'll buy it. I really don't care now you know they've got they've got to put up just like everybody else that they also have to do it in time you know in timely fashion in order to keep up with the the you know the demands um of the market of the the consumer base but that's enough 
enough of a rant for now. Let's let's actually start covering some Diablo news. We're we're so we're so far into the episode, and I have we're I haven't even started covering the news yet. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, have a rudimentary order. Uh, so Diablo 2 resurrected. Um, they are continuing to improve the uh, the service server stability and the online experience. Um, you know, for going through and playing in Diablo 2, uh, we've gotten uh, uh, some patches for the PC and for the console since the last episode. Um, they've updated the game uh, client to be able to scale the rate at which players can join and create games based on server capacity. And so that means you're not set, you know, um, 100 people trying to log in when there's no one online won't have the same type of queue as 100 people trying to log in when the servers are full, you know, or there's millions of people online. And so that's just you know scaling that back because what it was doing it was it was gating at the same rate regardless of how many people were playing, uh, whether you know if the servers could actually handle that many people logging in at the same time because there weren't that many people on you know, anyways. They're so they're now scaling that so that way if you're not playing during peak times, uh, you are. Uh, able to get into the game faster as well as um, allowing you to create more games which you're actually already in um, you can you know create games faster uh, because there's not as many being created uh, they're also adding uh, better message they're also adding in-game messaging to communicate how long that you have to wait so you're not just sitting there trying to create a game like trying to time it out like it hasn't been two minutes yet oh shit it hasn't so I have to wait two more minutes um they also are going to add kind of like a refund uh, because before if you tried to if you typed in the incorrect password or you tried to join a full game you got that same gating and so it stopped you from being able to join a game for you know that, that period of time now if you fail to join you're not blocked from going and rejoining uh, immediately again uh, as well as a similar update for uh, console that you know was also filling in some of the the issues that the console uh, was having with like communication of the the game joins and such and for a brief period of time you know it was almost impossible to play on console because it wasn't telling you that there was a queue to log in so it was just kicking you until you were lucky enough that in order to like jump in um you know so we're, we're we're getting closer we're getting closer every time that they go through and they make a stability improvement like that that means we're one step closer uh, to the start of the ladder season for Diablo 2. And the sooner that the ladders start, the sooner they might be open to talking about future content plans for Diablo 2. Because they're always like, KG, let's just launch the game, or let's just launch you know, the, the ladders, and we'll talk about that other stuff later. But so many people are discussing it, so many people are asking for it, it has to be on the radar. Blizzard has to actually be actively working on that stuff. Which, uh, speaking of which, um, Vicarious Visions has announced that they will be dropping the Vicarious Visions name, uh, putting to doubt any uh, any of those rumors that Vicarious Visions might still be working on like other like they're just going to be working on like remasters or they're just going to be uh, they might work on other you know Activision titles and such. But nope, they are just Blizzard. There's some rumors that they might be Blizzard Albany because they're based in New York, but it is just Blizzard. No longer Vicarious Visions. Um, 
But yep, uh, every every step that they take, we're we're closer to getting uh, the the ladders and potential you know news as to what they have planned for the future of Diablo Two Resurrected. It's here. It's popular. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed my, my brief stint in it. I am kind of like looking forward to more like playing on the ladder and having a goal and such. Uh, but, uh, I, I am looking for uh, a bit, uh, more, uh, just the, I guess I'm less inclined to just want to play and grind. I'm not as, you know, going through and being like the lofty goal of like hitting 99 or completing a Holy Grail is just, I don't know, it's like just not as enticing to me. I was like, oh yeah, let's go through and have um, have this thing where it's like, takes five years of straight dedication of playing the same game uh, in order to go through and complete. Like, that doesn't entice me uh, as much. Um, you know, though I would hope to maybe one day get a Death's Web, right? Because that, that's my Holy Grail list. My Holy Grail is just a Death's Web. That's it easy right absolutely easy uh but um diablo 3 obviously diablo 3 we got some big news we had the season 25 ptr announced and then launched people have been loving uh the the new mechanic that they have planned for season 25 because it's uh, in order to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the diablo franchise uh, is that they are going to be implementing uh, new gems, they call them soul shards, that you'll be able to socket um, into your weapon and into your helmet. Because absolutely nothing has ever gone wrong with socketing a demonically corrupted soul stone into your forehead. Absolutely no bad things have ever occurred but going through and doing that in the history of the franchise. Um... Uh, but it, it, it's uh, it's a twist on you know we we've had like the uh, the, the twist on weapons with the ethereals the the, the, the current or you know past season, uh, but going into season twenty five we're gonna have these new um, uh, gems you know that you can go through and socket, and they're they're really interesting, and so they all start with a um, a, a base effect. And there's other, uh, there's like a, a type of currency that drops in the game uh, called uh, Hellforge Embers. Uh, and that those, uh, that currency consumable uh, is then used to upgrade the shards. And so there are uh, the three primeval shards, the four lesser evil shards. They're all themed around the, uh, the seven evils, you know, uh, Mephisto, Bale, Diablo, and then uh, Belial, Asmodan, uh, Duriel, and Andariel. Uh, you know, they all kind of have their own uh, soul stones. So you've got, you know, hatred, terror, destruction, yada yada. Uh, and then they all kind of have like little little themes uh, around that. And just to give you an idea, you've got the, uh, the Sliver of Terror. You know, obviously the Diablo's uh, Shard. Uh, the, all of the prime uh, shards are socketed into your helm, and there's uh, there's like four uh, ranks. Excuse me, four ranks to the um, shards themselves, and as you upgrade them, they have some bonuses. Uh, the first one uh, is always the unique effect, and so for the uh, the sliver of terror, you will always have. Uh, your cooldowns are increased by 25%, but 
but for every skill on cooldown, you take 12.5% reduced damage and deal 75% increased damage. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. So obviously now your cooldowns take longer, but while your skills are on cooldown, you're getting a huge damage uh, uh, increase as well as a damage reduction increase. Uh, and then for the, uh, the helms, all of the primeval gems, the next two ranks are pretty much exactly the same. Uh, and what it is is that the, the next rank uh, will basically give you um, as if you have socketed um, a gem of every color into your health. You get uh, cooldown reduction, resource cost reduction, a life percent increased experience bonus, I know, uh, and a gold find bonus. There is a little bit of variance there. Um, so it's at, at uh, base, I believe it's the flawless royal. Uh, so like for the cooldown reduction, the lowest it can roll is 12.5%, but it can get up to 15%. So it can actually go and give you a bigger bonus and you get all of those at once. So socketing that at rank one into your helm uh, gives you the bonus of having a gem of every color in your helm. Uh, the second um, bonus that you get is then uh, you get one stat out of a random allotment. You can get uh, main stat, uh, not just dex, int, and strength, but you can also get vitality. Um, you have armor, all resist, uh, and then a melee or ranged uh, damage reduction. And that is random, which one of those that you get. Well, in the other one, you get the combination of all of the gems. The next one, you only get one of those bonuses. So from a damage aspect, obviously you probably would want the uh, your main stat. Um, though you can also still get armor or all res or something like that if you're like a ZDBS build. Uh, and then finally, the the last rank that you have, uh, it's a uh, random, um, you get a, there's three unique effects of each gem and you get one of them rolled. And so if like the Sliver of Terror, uh, you have, if you have three or more skills on cooldown, your lightning and fire damage is increased by 50%, or your attack speed and crit chance is increased by 7% for each skill that's on cooldown, or you cast a devastating ring of fire after killing 50 enemies. Um, and that, like a lot of other effects, deals a, a ridiculously boosted damage, and we've had multiple accounts of people solo, uh, solo clearing greater if 150s, and then using that uh, trigger um, in order to like one-shot Rift Guardians. Um, so, you know, there's that. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure is going to get some uh, balance correction to it. But then, you know, the, the Shard of Hatred. Uh, you deal 15% reduced damage um, while you have three or fewer enemies within 25 yards. But if there are more than three uh, enemies within that same distance, you deal 10% increased damage per enemy up to 100%. So this is obviously your um your farming gym so this is kind of like almost as if it was created with a uh, a group um setting because you have like the one um class that's dedicated to clearing the the trash mobs and another one that's uh, geared towards killing the rift guardian this one uh actively requires multiple targets within range uh, otherwise you get a damage debuff and then it's uh, it's rank four effects are um, you know, the, instead of dealing the 10% increased damage, you deal 15% up to 150 instead of 100. 
Uh, your movement speed is increased by 50%, and then uh, each move, each enemy within 25 yards reduces your movement speed. Uh, and then killing an elite enemy will pull all other enemies uh, within 40 yards to where the elite died. So just you know, nice grouping effects and such. Something that is almost handcrafted towards the meta. Um, and then finally you have the Fragment of Destruction. Uh, you move unhindered through enemies, and each enemy that you pass through will, uh, will mark them for destruction for 7 seconds. And each marked enemy that dies removes 1 second from one of your skills on cooldown. But if the Mark of Destruction expires before the enemy dies, you lose 2% of your maximum health. So, you know, it, it's nice for going through and like for us, say, like a speedrunning build uh, because you just pass through enemies um, and uh, when you kill them, it reduces all of your cooldowns. So say like a Pestilence Necro, not that that, though, that build already kind of like functions at peak efficiency, but just for that, like you just run through, kill things, and it resets your land of the dead even faster, just as an example. Uh, with its rank 4 abilities, is now the mark of the duration is 10 seconds instead of 7. Uh, and you have a 25% chance to restore 5% of your health when in, whenever an enemy with a mark of destruction dies. Uh, and you also, you now leave a, a trail of fire in your wake uh, that slays enemies with the mark of destruction that are below 10%. So you get uh, an execute. 10% execute. Which again, you know, that's going to be, you know, kind of like great. Maybe not for like a speed clear doesn't really... Uh, necessarily have some issues maybe at some higher levels you know you take a little bit of time going and killing the rift guardian but it just you know kills kills things just that little bit faster um you don't have to make sure that they're 100 percent dead you can leave them at three percent life and then they walk into like that that trail of fire and then boom they're they're destroyed uh and then for the four lesser shards so again kind of like the recap the three shards that you can equip in your helm um, you've got one that's based on equipping a whole bunch of cooldown skills. Uh, your cooldowns are all increased, but whenever a skill's on cooldown, you gain a stacking 75% bonus damage. You've got the Shard of Hatred, which gives you uh, a really big bonuses in order to kill mobs that are grouped up. Uh, and then the Fragment of Destruction, which just gives you a whole bunch of bonuses for killing monsters in short order as you pass through them in order to reset all of your cooldowns. The Lesser Shards, uh, these all go in your weapon. Um, and these ones similarly uh, have a unique effect. Then uh, you gain the bonus of socketing those uh, the gems of every color into your weapon. So you just gain flat bonus damage, uh, flat critical damage, uh, flat bonus to elites, uh, as well as life on hit and thorns damage. That starts at flawless oil gem and scales up. So like the critical strike chance starts at 130 but goes up to 150 so you can get better. Um, the rank 2 is you get an offensive stat roll, so you'll get an additional um, attack speed, just flat damage bonus of the weapon, a critical strike chance, or um, you get a bonus uh, random elemental damage. You get one of those, one of those effects that will go through and then uh, apply to your weapon. Uh, and then finally you've got, then again, you get one of three unique effects. So the Essence of Anguish. Uh, you know, this is every time that you deal poison damage to an enemy, it increases your cooldown reduction, movement speed, and damage received by 5%, uh, stacking up to 10 times. You know, kind of like uh, squirts, you get, uh, you can really kill yourself by getting, getting an extra of like, what, 100%, 150% damage taken, and it probably stacks multiplicatively, so 
uh, be careful. Um, but then its unique effects are is your movement speed and cooldown reduction can increase up to 15 times instead of 10. So, you, you know, you can get up to 75% cooldown reduction in movement speed. Uh, now when you deal poison damage, uh, the enemy will receive 50% increased poison damage from all sources for uh, 10 seconds. Just so that way it's a way that you get, you know, that increased ramp damage. And then killing an enemy deals damage uh, done by the death blow to all enemies uh, within 25 yards. And so you're, this one is all about, like, kind of like... Um, dealing poison damage where there are some ones that just do flat damage a lot of them uh, are also you know like dots uh, but say if you kill an enemy with an attack that does um, uh, you know like you kill an enemy for 1 billion it will then explode for 1 billion you know to hit all the other enemies around it so you kind of like get a double pop of damage as enemies start dying um, the, uh, the Remnant of Pain is your critical strike chance is just reduced by 15% and attacks against incapacitated enemies are automatically critical hits. So normally you're doing fewer critical hits, but if you manage to keep the enemies CC'd, everything that you do is a crit. Amazing. Uh, again, for kind of like speed, speed clears or anything where you can keep the enemies locked down 100% of the time, going into like kind of like... That, that group meta play where uh, the large majority of keeping uh, of killing the trash involves locking them down for large periods of time. Now you've got that huge burst window uh, when you go through and stun them. Uh, when you and then the random the random effects at the end are when you critically hit an enemy, you increase the attack speed of all players uh, by five percent up to a stacks uh, ten times. Uh, hitting enemies with cold damage has a fifty percent increase to freeze them. And then cold skill damage is increased uh, to frozen targets by 20%. And then also your move speed is 50% faster than normal uh, and you gain passability. Or while your move speed is 50% faster than normal, you can move through enemies. Uh, and when you move through enemies, you knock them back and stun them. So kind of like a, a way to trigger that incapacitate. Um, next you have the Drag of Lies, uh, which reduces the damage of enemies hit by 33%. Uh, for five seconds but also reduces the damage that you deal by 50 percent so this one is definitely like the ZDPS that you don't really care about dealing damage but it's just adding another layer of damage reduction you know onto enemies um you know double the damage reduction enemies receive when you critically strike them so that way you still have a reason with which to hit them uh each elite that is slain uh, with the damage reduction effect uh, also reduces all of your cooldowns by five seconds and then also on receiving fatal damage you spawn a shadow that prevents your death restores your health to 35% and you gain 225 all resist to all party members while it is active for the next 15 seconds you know so just a nice ZDPS um, upgrade not that ZDPS ever really needed boosts but at least it's acknowledging the way that the meta plays right uh, and then finally the stain of sin you deal 25% less damage, but when you kill an elite enemy, you spawn a pool of blood that then increases the damage non-elite enemies receive by 250%. So it's a different way of doing it. You're able to burn, if you can narrow down and burn an elite, you can then kill everything else around it faster. Uh, but the, the pool of blood now will also collect uh, Rift Progress Orbs. You know, so you killed the elite, it spawned the Rift Progress Orbs, and now all of them get picked up. 
The pool of blood now also freezes non-elites, so they get stuck in the, the pool and they can't leave it. Uh, and the pool now also negates elite affixes, so it then cleans up uh, around it. Um, you know, this is kind of like for a, a support character, uh, and you'll need some way of killing the mobs, so like Executioner. Uh, that will go through and execute things, you know, for you, or that fragment of destruction, where it will, you know, kill an enemy that goes below like the 10% health, uh, or like a ZDPS Necro, uh, you know, with the uh, the mark of uh, curse of frailty, just that so you have some way of de dealing that final blow to kill the elite, that then allows you to trigger that bonus, and then you really don't care about the damage reduction because you're ZDPS, right? Um, you know. That, that's uh, the big draw. Obviously, there are some... Uh, they're trying to rebalance some stuff. They're, they're trying to pull up, like, the uh, Anarchir and its support uh, and its supporting pieces for the Witch Doctor. There's a little buff to um, Necro's Rathma uh, set. Uh, there's a little bit of a buff to uh, Shadows. Um, you know, the, the Shadows Mantle, uh, where it... In addition to dealing like that 75,000% increased damage for the first enemy hit, it will now still deal 25,000% increased damage to everything else. So like the, the ricochet or the just the um, impale that passes through now does AoE damage. It's no longer just a single target. You have some real viable options with which to um, AoE clear without having to spec one entirely into uh, area damage and hoping for procs. Um, just adds a, it doesn't really add so much uh, more power to the build it increases its playability um, in that respect um, the Marauders has been changed it's back to its original intention to where now the sentries will just automatically cast um, the spenders that you have equipped on your bar um, and so it's not that you have to cast the spell to get the sentry to use it it just starts doing it on its own uh, and then your own damage, as well as the damage your sentries deal, is increased uh, by 12,000% for every active sentry. So this is uh, a huge damage boost for Marauders, uh, but also an interesting little change uh, because they originally... This is originally how Marauders did. You would throw up a whole bunch of turrets, it would spam Elemental Arrow, the Lightning Cloud in order to go through and kill mobs, and you had to hit certain attack speed breakpoints in order to hit these obscene um, attacks per second uh, for the uh, the skills, and there were different ways of weaving it, you know, because certain skills had cooldowns, uh, like Cluster Arrow would only cast like every like, uh, like every like X number of cycles, and you needed to have like 5% attack, you had to have like 5 attacks per second or 4 attacks, something ridiculous attacks per second, so that way you could get uh, like, two cycles every three seconds in order to cast cluster arrow and then if you got to five attacks per second you'd get like a third cycle in so that way you could then add multi-shot so it would spam you know elemental arrow multi-shot and cluster arrow on like all these different cooldowns um and it just wasn't good uh because it was very passive you throw out the sentries and you literally would do nothing uh you know it would they because your sentries would do all the damage but it also uh, if that playstyle had continued to today, uh, that level of attack speed and the number of calculations, because the problem that higher end groups have with pushing like those greater if 150s isn't the size of the damage, 
it's the number of calculations that the, the game server has to handle that cause stability issues in D3. And if people are going to be going through and trying to maximize three lightning clouds a second from, you know, five different centuries, that's going to create some lag, right? That's going to create some lag. Uh, you know, it, it still at least gives you the damage bonus, so you're still doing things actively. You don't rely 100% upon your sentries. But when it's you and four sentries, you know, the sentries are doing the majority of your damage, and you really don't have to do much yourself. So it adds a little bit of that passiveness back to the build, um, which, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, not to mention... Uh, you know, just the fact that it, it does kill, you know, um, the uh, M4, N6, you know, the Marauders, Natalia's build. Rip. Uh, it was, like, one of the last few, like, quirky little, like, multi-set shenanigans that you could go through and have, and now the focus is just entirely on the sets. I never played it. I know a lot of people felt that it was kind of jank, but it, it was just, it, it was an interesting thing to observe in the wild. Uh, and finally, take a shot, because Firebird's Finery has been changed again, which I think is already, like, the, the second or third time this year that Firebird's has gotten changed, let alone how many times it's changed since the existence of the set. So, there you have it. Uh, we, we can start a drinking game. We have, to, we have to finish our drink every time Firebird's gets a set change. Um... You know, but, uh, yeah, a lot of good things. Uh, I've heard nothing but praise across the PTR, uh, with the exception of, you know, some of those, like, you know, uh, firewake shenanigans at the higher end, but, you know, how many seasonal themes have been plagued by that anyways? Uh, and so, sure, it sucks at the higher end, but are people having fun? Are the majority of the people that are going through and clearing, like, their 100s or their 120s having fun with the new mechanic? That's what the really important part is. And from all intents and purposes... The response that we're getting for the shards and those mechanics are the same that we had for Ethereals, and everybody loved Ethereals, and everybody is loving what they're doing with the shards. Some people are even loving them even more than the Ethereals. It, it, it creates another item hunt, you know, because it's not just a one and done, because it has all of those random little rolls uh, between, you know, I want to make sure that on my Necro I get the intelligence roll, and I want the one where, you know, like the enemies explode. You know, when they hit 10% as I walk through them, because I don't want to run Frailty Aura, I want to do something else. You know, so, something along those lines. It's just, it adds a little bit more customization, a little bit more of that item hunt, that goal, in order to find, like, the perfectly rolled item. Uh, and so, it's, you know, it's all, that's always fun. It's always good. Uh, and definitely looking forward, the, uh, by the time this episode gets uh, loaded up, um, you know, uh, I believe the PTR will still be going on because it's like a two-week PTR, so we still have another week um, of it that's uh, going. Uh, we should hopefully see a little patch or something this weekend. Uh, I believe that they've done it in the, the past PTR cycles is that they give us one patch, a couple of updates, and let's see how it looks with these changes that they were able to build upon from feedback during the first week of the PTR. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we talked about we talked about my uh, my rant about um, the arcane in the uh, Diablo series. We talked about Diablo two resurrected. We talked about Diablo three, um, Diablo four. Uh, so the um, uh, what is it? Uh, Diablo four, as I mentioned earlier in the show, 
has been quote unquote delayed and we never had a release date or release window for Diablo 4 but in the most recent um, earnings call we uh, Blizzard um, said that they were pushing um, Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 out of their 2022 launch window uh, to a further undisclosed date. Now we did not previously know that 2022 was their prospective launch window for Diablo 4. So that is news uh, in and of itself that they had originally intended to launch the game next year, but we found that out, of course, when they said they're not hitting that launch window. Uh, and so that it's respected out further. And so 2023, a date that we've talked about here on the show before, is, uh, you know, the earliest that it could be, but I guess is beginning is also now like the front runner of uh, expectations when the game itself is going to launch. So maybe a winter, a quarter four 2023 launch for Diablo 4 seems a hell of a lot more likely. Which also, even though we won't be doing a BlizzCon line in February, they did say that a lot of the announcements that they would make, they'll be making over you know, the, the, the coming months or quarters. So, uh, fifth class acknowledgement win? You know, will, will my long-standing... I just want to know, will my long-standing guess... Because the, the day they announced Diablo 4... I said the Necromancer was going to be one of the classes because, like, Halazar, the Swampland area, is the general area where, you know, the uh, the sunken city that the Necromancers operate out of was located. You know, it was in the it was in the jungles to the east of Kedjistan. And the only thing east of Kedjistan is a mountain range and a whole bunch of Swampland along the coast. And so, well, that's... How is... That's now... We know it was a place called Hawazar. We didn't know what it was called before. Uh, and now we do. And so that's where the Necromancer is. So just give me my Necromancer. Uh, I mean, I say that, and of course, uh, I, you know, God, it's been, a, it's been a long time because the BlizzCon line was like the last episode of Danctuary that had gotten recorded when we had done the, the all-day um, live stream covering all of the day's announcements. Um, as far as uh, Diablo was related, as well as discussing and talking things in between the Diablo panels. And uh, I remember on that panel going through and discussing things, I think it was with Leviathan and Lord Fluffy, that as much as I want the Necromancer, I wouldn't be opposed to having something new, something different. Because right now we've got, you know, the, the Druid, the Sorceress, and the Barbarian, which are all returning you know, whether it be from, you know, the Barbarian returning from, like, Diablo 3, Diablo 2, but then the Druid and the Sorcerer returning from, you know, Diablo 2. And so those are, you know, uh, classes that we've already had before. The Rogue technically is returning from Diablo 1, but obviously is extremely different in its implementation. It's getting a, a modern skill set and revamp, something that, you know, oh, okay, it it had inner sight and could pick locks. Yeah, you know, that was that was Diablo one class bonuses, right? It wasn't wasn't much to, to um, you know write home about. So it, it's getting a proper glow up and can can kind of be you know considered like a, a the like brand new class because they're doing a lot of things with it that they've never done before in a Diablo game. Um, but I still would like to see something new, something all new, you know, because sometimes it works out. Like look at the the Demon Hunter. Um, you know, was obviously was a big hit. Monk also was uh, pretty popular. 
as opposed to like sometimes it doesn't work out like with the witch doctor where it just felt like a differently tooled necromancer and people just wanted the necromancer so we have to wait and see obviously you know there there are two major arch archetypes in the series the um the holy warrior tank you know such as the, the paladin or the crusader or the summoner pet class such as uh, the witch doctor or the necromancer um that the game uh does not yet have and they only have one slot for so maybe it's going to be a holy warrior pet class in order in order to hit both of them and then make nobody happy right uh uh, and then, of course, uh, Diablo Immortal. Saving saving the uh, the best for last because, well, we got... Uh, I was hoping that we'd have some sort of update on uh, Diablo Immortal or, you know, what, what might be going through and doing because we kind of got some little tiny updates, you know, between um, the actual launch of the, now we know, closed beta and the, the closed alpha, you know, where we had some, like, things that they learned and some... Uh, you know, insights that they had gleaned from the tests, and then all of a sudden, boom, we had the, uh, the the beta test dropped on us, and I would like to go through and thank Blizzard for going through and so hooking me up with a, a loaner phone, uh, because the game is only on Android, because they are testing real money transactions, and um, iPhone does not support that in their test environment, uh, so I do uh, fully appreciate Blizzard going through and hooking me up with one of those so I can go through and test the game as well. Because I'm an iPhone user, uh, you know, and going and dealing with Android uh, for the first time in my life has uh, its own complications. And, and it's like its own, its own testing period for myself. Can I figure out how this phone works? Answer is no. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, how do I close an app? Like, I don't even know how to close an app. <laughs> Uh, good times, good times. I, I did subsequently learn how to close one. So I, I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, but yeah, there were, um, so there were some new things, there were some refined things, and there were some first-time implemented things. Um, and of course, going through, obviously, <laughs> we got the Necromancer. I segued that one well, didn't I? Uh, we knew the Necromancer was coming. It had already been announced as a class. It was just the last class that we got a chance to go through and play. And it plays beautifully. It is Necromancer. This is the Diablo 3 Necromancer version 2.0. Uh, because it takes a lot of the core elements of the Necro and then makes them better. Um, like, your skeletal minions actually, like, deal damage and feel as if they're... Um, you know, warriors fighting alongside you is striking a great balance between the Diablo 2, where the skeletons do, you know, uh, do all of the work un until you get revives and you just go and get a whole bunch of Ugar, uh, Ogars, Ugars, Ogors, I can't say that word, um, to then crush and blow all of your bosses down for you. But the skeletons go through, do all of the work, and you kind of sit back and throw some curses, and then once things die, some corpse explosions in order to finish the rest of it off. As then in the Diablo 3, where the skeletons are, um, there? Yeah, they give a damage bonus for the new Rathma set? And that's... That's kind of it. Or, you know, there were some jank ones where, you know, the skeletons would ramp infinitely, would ramp infinite damage and then eventually be able to kill Rift Guardians of any flavor back before, like, 150s were really in the, the, 
the, the name of the game, they were able to go through and push those, you know, that subsequent interaction was nerfed many years ago. Um, but, you know, it, it they... So, the, the Necromancer Skeletons in Diablo Immortal, they don't hold aggro or threat um, like they do in Diablo 2, but they deal a hell of a lot more damage than what they do in Diablo 3. They're actually sitting there, and then the legendaries that you can augment them with in the game uh, can give some pretty interesting and powerful effects. Like I said, just baseline, they do decent damage and can go through and help, especially um, as a range class, you might be running around and trying to dodge certain mechanics uh, when you're fighting uh, bosses and Rift Guardians. Uh, that the skeletons are always on them doing constant damage. They generally don't really hold aggro, that if the skeleton attacks anything, it instantly will target onto you. In some cases where you've got a lot of targets, there is some sort of, I don't know, threat or target acquisition mechanic that's going on there, where if it's just one enemy, I've noticed, that always will come to you. But if there are like five enemies, three will come to you and two will focus on the skeletons. Like there's something that's going on there where there is a little bit of threat assessment and so it does take off um, some some of the steam off of you once you start piling on more and more targets that they will start focusing on the skeletons a bit more the more that there are I don't know if this is just confirmation bias on my side or if it's something that's actually actively happening in the game but it's just something I've noticed playing around with a whole bunch of pets um, and so it's, it's great you know improvement in that respect um, you know same thing for the the skeletal mage uh, it's uh, kind of similar in the base implementation to the Diablo 3 one, uh, but it's a turret. So uh, when you summon a Skeletal Mage, it lasts for just a limited amount of time. It's to one location, and then it blasts damage, like a lot of damage. And you can have a couple up at once because it has. Uh, you can get up to three charges for it. So you can save them all up, drop a whole bunch, and then start blasting like single target Rift Guardians down, elites or whatever. Uh, but then there's also some other um, legendaries that you can turn it into like a Grim Reaper. And so instead of being like, you kind of like just summon one every couple of yards that you go because it has a short cooldown. You can build up charges to act as like these mobile turrets as you go to like either kite things into or just like drop a uh, big damage increase onto a Rift Guardian. Um, you can then reverse it, summon a Grim Reaper, has a really long cooldown. It's not up 100% of the time, but now does a ridiculous amount of damage in AoE instead of single target. So it's great at going through and handling hordes um, and, you know, slightly drops off when you're going up against, like, single target, like a Rift Guardian. Um, and so it, it's nice that the legendaries, but even the base one on its own, no, uh, no legendaries or anything like that, still feels good and feels like it does damage, you know. Because, uh, like, the legendaries are, like, you know, oh, increase the damage by, like, 10%, or increase the duration by 30%. You know, it's not, it's not, like, you know, uh, sexy, you know, it's, like, it's not, it's not Diablo 3 where it's do 20 million percent damage or whatever, but it also means that you don't have to have legendaries to make the skills feel impactful or make them feel good. Uh, they also, um, brought the, the corpse mechanic back for the Necromancer. Always, always love playing with corpses. It's a great sound clip. Um, they uh, they made the Diablo 3 corpse mechanic better because now you don't have to wait for enemies to die. They put mechanics into the game that allows you a bit more control uh, in creating corpses. One of the big ones is Grim Scythe. 
uh, is now kind of like a, uh, a skill in that um, when you use it, uh, you know, for the first couple of enemies that it hits, it will, they just drop a corpse. And so there's something that you can span every couple seconds in order to create corpses for your, then using corpse explosion or corpse lance. Uh, there's also like the, the golem that increases power, the more corpses, uh, that consumes corpses to give you, um, you know, more power there. Um, you can, uh, you have a skeletal wall back. One of the runes will turn the skeletal wall into a wall of skeleton warriors that rushes forward and like stuns anything in the way. But then after a certain amount of time they die and when they die they leave corpses. If anybody kills your skeletons or your skeletal mage... Or even when your mage expires, it leaves a corpse. And so there's a lot of things that now these corpse skills aren't so um, binary, where it's either where like pestilence set in Diablo 3 is relegated just to speedrunning, um, because you have to be able to kill lots of things really quickly, either to just generate the corpses of killing the monsters, uh, but also to, you know, every monster that you kill gives you the cooldown reduction that allows you to keep Land of the Dead up. And Land of the Dead is the only way to effectively generate enough corpses to make those skills viable to work to deal damage. Um, you uh, now have a, a better um, throughput because you have ways of generating corpses as an actual resource mechanic instead of it being a binary of, I have to kill the monster and I also have to kill the monster you know, in a certain efficiency window with my corpse skills to generate enough corpses to then kill the next batch of monsters and such. Now it just feels like a great damage bonus. It's like a great damage spike. And then the other great thing about the corpse skills, both Corpse Explosion and Corpse Lance, is um, they've got no cooldown. Like it's, it's like half second cooldown. Really short. So you can just spam those. As things die, you're just going and spamming. And so it still has that kind of like speed build aspect to it that when you're doing um, content below like your gear uh, when you're doing easier level content you can just literally like get that skeletal mage out it like one shots a whole group of minions and then you just run through and spamming corpse lance and it's just pulling the corpses from behind you throwing them forward and you're just leapfrogging corpses as you're going through because it deals so much damage and it, it, it has like that really feel good element to it but even then when you're pushing higher end content um, you know, a lot of the boss mechanics all have um, some form of mobs that spawn. So you're never going to be like, oh shit, I got the, the Rift Guardian that doesn't spawn mobs. They all, they all do. Uh, even just like your regular generic bosses um, generally all have some form of mob or ad that spawns during the fight to give you corpses. And even barring that, you get to make your own. You, you can create your own. And so you usually, if you have some form of um, Corpse Explosion or Corpse Lance or whatever, you will want to then change your skill loadout to give you one of those things, whether it be Grim Scythe um, or the, like that, uh, that modified uh, bone wall that generates like just straight up, like after five seconds, it generates like six corpses for you, you know, to go through and just hit those great big damage numbers. Um, it's really good. It's really fun. It plays phenomenal um the, the necromancer ton of fun it just it feels like a better implementation of the diablo 3 necromancer like they looked at the diablo 3 necromancer these are things that we can improve and keep the core gameplay aspect 
and then bring them into a new game and so it's like this isn't this isn't diablo diablo immortal is not diablo 3.5 it's diablo 3 2 it takes uh all the things that were good about diablo 3 and then improved them it built upon those aspects um a lot of the game systems themselves are just better defined uh between the technical alpha and the closed alpha um layers went from being like uh, a, a key farming point to being useless and now they've uh, readjusted that a little bit so they put a daily limit on you used to run layers because it was like the only way that you could get um gems for upgrading in your secondary gear and so the gems just gave straight stats plus damage plus armor whatever um and that you have to upgrade those gems in order to uh get those stronger bonuses there's a whole bunch of uh ranks of those gems uh but uh it just you know um it is a exponentially increasing amount of gems that you need uh and so in the the closed alpha um when they removed the layers as a guaranteed way of getting gems it made it so that way well then layers are useless who's going to do them we'll just run dungeons now you can run layers and get gems but there's a daily limit on it afterwards you just don't get any but they also added in playing in a four-player group just has a chance of dropping gems and while the first you know like six or so gems drop pretty quickly it dies off re relatively quick over there so there are some mechanics in there that will reward like it basically it's like your first couple of hours that you play the game are the most rewarding and then it tails off from there but obviously there's still a lot of rewards for continuing to play the game um they um re-incentivize the way that like the weekly xp caps work i never hit the weekly uh xp cap in the closed alpha but a lot of like the blasters like um uh racks uh, leviathan uh um echo hack others were constantly hitting uh or not uh, i guess like you know rob was like one of the the premier uh blasters that could reach like the highest paragon level uh at all uh, in the uh in the closed uh, alpha uh and they were hitting the xp cap uh on like tuesday and it wasn't just the xp cap that when you hit it like items stopped dropping in the game for you you stopped getting anything and so they had to create alts in order to go forward and so it would be like well let's spend a couple of days farming up a whole bunch of mats and then we'll hit the XP cap after we farm. And they, they retooled that, and now it's more of like a daily limit instead of a weekly limit. There is a uh, forever scaling um, world paragon cap that increases by two every day. And while you're underneath the cap, you gain 200% increased um, experience, gold, mats, and item drops once you hit the paragon cap and i think it's for up to five levels you know the bonus goes away and you just experience the world as it is and then after those five levels it drops to 25 percent and so now you're getting a penalty for being more than five paragon levels above the world cap and i think after eight levels it like drops to nothing and so like you can still gain some experience but now you're not getting drops or anything like that and it, so it's really uh really curbs how much that you can gain and there's a lot of feedback that's going on with like some of the top blasters uh this season like echo hack and dread scythe 
uh, that are going through and kind of like experience and learning that, you know, uh, there are certain parts where you save up a whole bunch of items. Um, you know, if you if you went over like that five level cap or whatever, you save up a whole bunch of items, um, and then you go back to where it's like the twenty five percent cap or the hundred percent cap, and then you salvage everything. Because if you just wait like six hours until like the server cap increases by two, you'll get a whole lot more bonuses to it. And then like maybe like bounties aren't as efficient once you're over the world paragon because it's giving you a lot more experience than it gives you mats. And so there's like this ratio and balancing game between farming for materials, farming for items, and farming for experience uh, because they're all different mechanics and they all play into your overall power in different ways. Um, because they did kind of lower, um, we talked about offense rating and defense rating. If, if you, um, it was the first time like learning about Diablo Immortal, you never paid attention to it before. Talked about it, uh, you know, uh, during the previous testing phases. But the best way to increase the power of your character is by just increasing your base, um, statistics. Your intelligence, willpower, fortitude, um, and vitality. Because each one of those points, in addition to specific bonuses such as intelligence and strength, increase your damage. All of your stat increases will increase your offense and defense ratings. Or might be referred to as ORDR, or as I like to call it, order. You know, because it just is better than saying ORDR. You know, offense, defense rating, or just order. It's just your order. Because you, those, those figures are generally very close to one another. Um, uh, you know, your defense rating usually is like a little bit higher because like certain stat bonuses and such, but they're generally around that same, um, same level because your stats generally increase around like the, the same ratio. Um, but, um, yeah, the equipping better gear or upgrading your gear through the blacksmith, augmenting it. Um, increases those those base at those base stats, which then increase your order. Um, and before, like upgrading the gear would um, increase your stats at a larger rate. Now it's just increasing it by two. It used to increase it by like six. And then you had the Heliquary, which is another like kind of like in-game system um, that you're rewarded with a currency by doing in-game things, like the the new um, weekly raids. Uh, give you uh, currency that you then trade in to level up your heliquary, which just gives you flat order. Um, and then as your heliquary level increases, it unlocks additional raids. And when you beat those raids for the first time, you get other items that will give you just flat increases to your order, uh, which gives you huge power bumps. Um, but those used to give you, like, uh, I think it was eight per level. Now they're also just two per level. And so the overall um, order that you gain is a lot lower um, from your items and such because all of those level bonuses and such have all been decreased. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the content itself has also had their requirements decreased, making it, you know, easier uh, to get into those. So the, the, the play path is uh, kind of like... Um, reworked a, a, a little bit there but it feels good scaling is good um, numbers aren't jumping up as astronomically and so it, the the content that you're doing isn't also jumping as astronomically because you get a couple of like you know in the the closed alpha you got a couple of upgrades where you got a new item for your heliquary and your your order just jumped by like 200 points 
and so you might have been stuck on challenge rift 46 now you're doing like challenge rift like 54 but then like the scaling because the scaling was also kind of off uh to where like if something had if uh if you were like a hundred if your rating was a hundred under what it should be you're like you're dealing like less than half damage you know but if it's only 50 under what it should be you're only doing like 10% less damage so there was a huge penalty a huge drop-off um, now it's not as bad it more progressively scales um, you know at a at a you know a, a, a gentler level so you can feel that impact grow um, as you increase it isn't like well I was able to do you know challenge rift you know 42 but you know relatively all right you know i got it in like half time but man challenger 43 is just impossible you know now if challenger 43 is impossible you really had to work hard to get challenger if like 42 you know it, it just it was a more progressive increase it's not like i cleared this one with five minutes to spare and now i just cannot beat the next one it's i i beat i beat this one with like two minutes to spare and now i can't beat the next one um, so that kind of tapers off a little bit and your stats increase at a slower rate. So it just, everything feels better. It feels like a more natural, um, uh, you know, uh, progression of stats and such. So that just feels uh, a lot better. Um, the, um, the cycle of strife, um, is more or less the same. Uh, didn't really feel uh, any any real big differences there in how the, that system or mechanic works. I'm a, an immortal now, uh, and that, that's pretty much playing the same. I haven't had much of an experience. I haven't been playing this as much as I did the previous one. Like it even took me a week to reach max level. You know, so uh, my like I, like I said at the beginning, my life has been really busy, and I haven't had as much time to go through and dedicate to it. Um, I haven't even I haven't even matched the the world paragon cap. But I, I went in, but it, it's like when you get that 200% bonus, you catch up relatively fast. So like uh, going into the weekend, I think I was like Paragon like 16 or not even. I was like Par I was like Paragon, I think like 14 on Friday. And then by Monday, I was Paragon 20, you know, so it, it, it increased really fast. So you, you catch up to that world Paragon uh, really quick, really quick um, with those bonuses. But then also, as like, like I was saying before, there's like a cat and mouse system where it's like, oh yeah, don't pick up the experience orbs because every experience orb that you pick up means that you got to the, the cap a little bit faster and that's like one less uh, salvage that you got. You know, it's less items that you got when you get there. So there's like this weird feeling to it. You always want to like stay under cap and such. Um... But uh, for the most part, just going through and paying it, playing it from like a casual aspect, you know, it feels pretty good. Um, and uh, though there are some, you know, negative things, some bad things I, I've noticed in the game, and that's when we're going to talk about monetization. And in the past episodes, in the past tests, I was a big proponent of the monetization systems that they had in Diablo Immortal weren't that bad you know sure um as we saw in the, the last in the closed alpha there was some um uh pay for power um elements in it that you could uh that the only way to acquire legendary crests was using real money currency which we couldn't do at the time we were just given daily stipends to use as we saw fit 
and some of the best ways of doing that was just buy legendary crests and then go and run the legendary crests get the legendary gems upgrade the legendary gems or just find rare legendary gems and those gave you better stat bonuses um, and now the way that they worked previously was it just increased like there would be a base element the better your gem the more it would increase the base stats the item that you were but not the like the intelligence but the base attribute all of the items have either life or damage they either increase your life or they increase your damage and that's its base attribute and so if you socketed like a really high level gym, it might increase that base attribute by 15%. And so you equip that into a weapon in order to get 15% more damage on that weapon and you feel really good. And then my lower level one only increased the stats by like 15%. So it was, you know, you by being able to max out your gym as well as just farm more to get a higher level one, increase the base damage of your weapon by 10% more than what mine was. You know, which is in the grand scheme of things really isn't that bad 10 percent is like the damage variance on like your skill damage so sometimes my skill is hitting for as hard as your skill and you know sometimes and obviously sometimes it, you know or the, most of the time you're just hitting for more but sometimes you know we're hitting for the same amount or mine might spike a little bit higher that 10 percent is less than the variance it's a little bit harder to notice it's like you know you can play through a 10% handicap. You know, if you're if you're a good PvP or you can play through a 10% handicap. And that's really all that it was. You know, it's like, oh no, you know, it's like you got a rank 10, you know, um, you know, lightning gym and mine's only rank 5, so you do you know, your weapon has 10% more base damage uh, and your orb does like 15% more damage on the proc than what mine does. Ooh. I play more than you do, and so I've got like 30 more Paragon levels, and I also have, you know, that playtime worth of salvage mats and item collection in order to try and get those rare triple stack gear and everything that just beat the shit out of you. It's like, okay, so whatever, You're, you've got 10% more base attributes on your gear. Well, I've upgraded all of my gear five more ranks than what yours is, so I've got 200 more order. You just deal 50% less damage to me to begin with, so I don't care that you uh, paid your way to a rank 10 gym. Doesn't matter. That's the way the old system was. The new system is the gyms themselves give order. You can get offense and defense rating directly from the legendary gyms when before they did not. They did not give... Uh, increase on the base stats uh, that gave your order from the uh, the items and the gems themselves did not now they do and if you get like um, I I have uh, I have put some money in I've paid I want to say about like $250 I, I messed around with going through and dropping a whole bunch of like legendary gems just to get uh, a legendary crest to get a whole bunch of legendary gems as well as like buying all of the bonuses and seeing how that feels uh, not the bonuses, but the bundles. Every time you complete a story element, you get like a $1 to $5 bundle that gives you a whole bunch of like crafting materials, as well as all of the money that you spent in Eternal Orbs. So you get normally, so if you bought, you know, 500 Eternal Orbs for 5 bucks, uh, and they gave you a one-time bundle that costs $5, they'll so also give you 500 Orbs in addition to all the other bonuses. So it made it so that way when I hit like level cap, my gear was, I, like, you know, I got, like, 
I had like two or three extra ranks across all of my gear more than what you might have at that particular point in time. And I was able to farm up a, a full set of legendary gems uh, because of all of the extra legendary crests that I got. And then once I hit max level, you know, I, I bought a couple hundred dollars worth of legendary crests to go through and jump into the rift. And so I've got, you know, like, I've got like one five-star gem, which is like the rarest, and I managed to get it, you know, uh, you have uh, the five-star gem of what it could be, and it will have a random number of stars allocated to it, and I managed to look out and get a five-star, five-star gem, so its stat bonuses are maxed. Um, and like, as opposed to like a rank one gem, that's a lot easier to level up, the rank five gems are a lot harder to level up. They require considerably more, um, uh, gems to sacrifice to level it up because in order to level up any of these gems you've got to put other level le uh, you got to put other gems into it in order to get them so it's kind of like you pay money to get gems and then you use those gems to upgrade your other gems that you then pay more money to get more gems to then go through and upgrade and such um and god it gives a lot of order i have like a rank two five star gem that gives 72 order that is a lot. That is a lot of stats, you know, because right now I'm just sitting at 1,100. And, you know, across all of my gear, I have about 200 order just from my legendary gems. And that's, you know, from only spending like 200 bucks uh, on legendary crests to get legendary gems. I spent like I spent like $50 on like the platinum or whatever to do like the uh, keys and other some stuff that isn't really as important. Definitely nowhere near as much power going and unlocking um, the um, Herodric Vault as it is to just buying legendary gems. And like, if you're going through and thinking, oh wow, you dropped like $200, that's like going through, that's like whaling. <laughs> God, no. Because even then, even with going through and like equating like more than 20% of my total order is from uh, pay to win currency, that is uh, nowhere near enough. I'm like, you know, I'm now like level 22 with like almost like I'm like 1170 uh, on my order. Not even close to the blasters at level 30 in terms of their stats and their gear because they've all got like Paragon 30. Every 10 levels unlocks like a new like gear quality that increases like the stat ranges on its items. So there's still um, a huge amount of stats that you can gain just by leveling up and doing harder uh, level content. To get better gear um i i still don't come close to that but there are others that have and it's not so much that it's like oh just spent a couple hundred dollars oh no there are people that have spent thousands and thousands of dollars in the game and have maxed out these gems to rank 10 have gotten the new awakening component which then not only is it giving uh, huge um, stat bonuses so it's no longer like 15% increased stats on your weapon it's like 25-30% stat increases to all of your equipped items all of them not just the one that it was equipped to it gives it the bonus to everything uh, and you know going through and giving you like 100-150 order um, it now also allows you to awaken the gym which then awakens the armor piece that's in it that then gives it now additional slots for other rank 10 gems. So if you get a gem to rank 10 and awaken it, it allows you to 
put other rank 10 gems into that gear slot so it's not just giving you this huge um the the great uh, effect of just having a rank 10 gem the the huge stat boost that it's getting for having a rank 10 gem the huge order boost that it's giving for having a rank 10 gem you can put other rank 10 gems into this thing and then just get flat damage and defense attributes bonus skill damage bonus attack speed bonus crit chance it starts scaling at pretty insane levels and so now you have people that are like paragon 18 which are having stats that are really really close to these people that are out there at like paragon 30 32 that have all full triple stat gear but like rank 2 rank 3 gems and people running around with multiple pieces of awakened gear with a dozen rank 10 gems all slotted into like their their skill bonuses and such and they have comparable stats they still at the disadvantage of not having the paragon levels so their their base stats are lower because of not having those paragon levels to give them the bonuses and that will that's something that's a lot more um uh um it's not as impactful right now but as you get into the higher paragon trees you begin to start having active bonuses that have a lot more like benefit because right now even at level 30 like the most that you can have is like every enemy that you kill like increases your attack speed woo you know but eventually you'll also get it to where you'll just do like five percent flat damage or other ones where if you get critically hit it prevents you or you get uh, crowd controlled you gain crowd control immunity for a couple seconds you know or you gain like a damage shield um whenever you get crit that triggers every couple of seconds so the, with the paragon level there's still a lot of bonuses in there that can't be replicated through like the uh the the awaken system in the gyms and so there's still going to be a huge set of power that comes from the the paragon tree and the base stats that you can get there but the question is, do, will the flat damage bonuses and order bonuses that you can get from these rank 10 gems in all of your gear begin to compensate for that? Because it's not just that, because eventually you'll even be able to compensate that with the paid to win um, currency, like I mentioned with the Herodric Sanctum, where it doesn't give you as much power as the legendary crest, but once you max out your legendary gems and your all of your awakened gear and such, if you still want to continue to spend money, you're going to spend it at, in the Roderick Sanctum, which then gives you just flat damage, health, armor, armor pin that Paragon levels do. Not at the same rate that the Paragon levels do. They're much slower, uh, but it's still something that you can kind of, you know, uh, buy into. And so it's just, hmm. And then also just leveling up the regular gems that give you just base damage, base armor and such past rank 5 requires platinum which is like you either get 300 a day by doing in-game activities when everything like requires like 2000 so it's something that you have to save up over the course of multiple days in order to do anything with your platinum you know or selling uh gems for minute amounts of platinum because you can sell like rank two gems for like 4000 platinum at least on the, the server as it is now um or two-star gems, you know, in for like 4K platinum, but then like everything costs like 2K to do anything with, so it's like, or you can just spend real money on platinum in order to do anything that you want with it. it it's uh, yeah, it, it's definitely one of those ones. 
that the level of power that you got in the closed alpha from the paid win, you know, the, the, the paid real money transactions was a lot lower and felt a lot more manageable because it doesn't matter how many bonuses that you got because of the scaling way that order worked, you would never catch up to the person that just played the game more. Now, that's not the case. Now you can catch up to the person that just plays the game more because you are getting those stats that matter and allow you to scale and punch above uh, punch above your weight class. It always was like in in the closed alpha, pay to win just allowed you to win your weight class. If you if you only played casually, you would never catch up to the person that was free to play and blasting playing 16 hours a day. You would never touch them no matter how much you spent. Now it's a little bit closer. We're we're it's it's weird because we're in that that uh, kind of like that crunch period. Obviously, this game is going to last for years, and like that paragon, that world server paragon level is going to be, you know, in the hundreds. We already like what is it the current cap? Because there's four paragon trees. The the paragon cap is effectively level four hundred, which is huge. It's going to take months and months of months of dedicated grinding in order to get there to even you know reach. That, that Paragon 400 is going to take the server, you know, uh, the better part of a year to even catch up to allow people to get to that rank um, in the first place. Um, you know, so it's not like someone can just come in and wail their way at Paragon 10 and compete with a Paragon 300 person. Uh, but at least at the beginning, it definitely isn't going to feel great. And it also is one of those ones where it's like, I spent like $250 and I got like some rank 5 gems. And it, it's exponential with how much more that you need to go up from there. To go from rank 5 to rank 10. It, it's not just let me spend an extra $250 and get uh, that rank 5 gem to rank 10. No, no, no. It, it's a lot more money than that. And so it's one of those things that it's like... You know, a casual player or a free-to-play player... I don't know. Will you ever see Awakened Gear? I mean, that's, that's obviously that's hyperbole, but how long is it going to take? Because right now, like, um, they did improve the the rewards for doing the rare uh, rare crests. Um, personally, I think I've seen like one legendary. If I if I put in three rare crests, that's the the one that you can just kind of like earn with the in-game currency and such, and you they just get one every day and you can buy like a little battle pass for like five dollars and then gives you a free one uh from that every day for a month um you get a ton through just the battle pass itself and you've got so uh, you got a lot that you can buy weekly with the honor or what's called hilts now um and so you, you can get a lot of these rare crests and you can do you know like one one or two every day without ever having to spend any real money or anything like that uh, and then there's obviously there's other mechanics that you can go through and you can get additional uh, ones of these I imagine through like becoming an immortal you know or I don't know if there's a, a, the way of just being an adventurer and not a shadow gives you more of these but it's, it's not that hard and I I want to say that I'm like for every three rifts that I do with the full three crests I want to say every five to six uh, rifts I get a legendary gem which is a hell of a lot more than what we got in the closed alpha I've seen some people that have been saying they're like 1 in 10, and I've seen others that are saying like 1 in 4. 
you know, so it's significantly more. You are going to be able to get a full allotment of legendary gems as a free-to-play player. And you'll probably, some of those rank 1 gems, or those 1-star gems, are relatively easy to rank up to, like, level 5 in order to get you some bonuses to magic find and such. Um, but yeah, you're either going to be saving up a ton of platinum and forgoing other in-game systems, such as trying to speed up your Herodric Sanctum a little bit, or imbuing skill charms, or leveling up your regular gems past rank 5, in order to try and, like, gamble in the market and get a little bit more platinum that way, to then buy higher level gems, um, with, uh, platinum in the, the marketplace with other players. Uh, or you just have to wait and get lucky and leave it leave it to luck or use like there's a couple of gems that you can buy monthly you know with with honor and then use those to like kind of like upgrade and fodder and level stuff up but it's uh it, it looks like it's definitely it's going to be a huge huge time commitment for a free-to-play player in order to level up the legendary gems and you're really just taking those legendary gems as like I'm taking it just for like this flat bonus of the base gym, and if I get a couple of upgrades on it, cool, I got lucky, you know. But with the amount of money that people have been spending in order to get these gyms awakened, even rank 1 gyms awakened, or sorry, 1 star gyms, not rank 1, but 1 star gyms awakened, that's, that's some serious cash that people are having to go through and throw into it, and it's... It, at right now it, it feels it, it it doesn't it doesn't feel right it feels as if they they went a little bit too far because even if they had this system and all that other types of stuff and they just took order off of the gyms take the offense and defense rating off of the legendary gyms it really wouldn't feel as bad because then the person that plays more and gets a higher level gear will always have more order in all of the stat bonuses that the guy that has the awakened gems and stuff like that are reduced you know by significant amounts in terms of like uh pvp and such and that to me is fine let them win their weight class i'm okay with like the the pay to win element of letting them win their weight class you know but don't let them compete above their weight class is is where i draw you know my line other people might draw the line you know they shouldn't be able to win their weight class there should be no um pay to win mechanics whatsoever and that, that's where they draw their line i understand that i respect that you know but i also know you know it's um it you know it's going to be a free-to-play game and you have to have a, a, a level of monetization within it that's going to go through and support it and in the mobile game genre, it, it's kind of like pay to win. And I thought Immortal had a really good system um, before um, where it balanced the pay to win with uh, people's expectations that if you just played the game more and were a better player, wouldn't matter. The person that dropped $2,000 still is not, they still would be below you. You would have a level playing field. Now it doesn't seem as much as the case unless it's just like significant power differences over time that like i said it's it's been a week it's been a week and a half um i guess it's been two weeks where where's my where's my time frame it's like tomorrow it will have been two weeks so I'm, i don't know 
Uh, uh, you know, it's just, you know, maybe, maybe it's like it's an issue at the start of the game, and a couple months in, it, it will separate itself, and those people that are pay to win won't have as many advantages just because the, the, the gear increases will continue to scale every 10 levels and that will outpace the level because eventually you know once you have all of your gems maxed out you're no longer gaining order that even though you're gaining continuing to gain like crit and skill bonuses and stuff like that the scaling aspect with the order stops and so everything gets reduced down you know um you know at, at set rates and so it won't matter as much but uh, yeah, right now definitely it's a, it's a feels bad man, and this is coming from someone that was defending the system uh, in uh, you know all previous uh, um, systems of it. So that, that's my that's my spicy, lukewarm take on it. Is I do think that Blizzard's went a little bit a little step too far um, with the the power that you can get for monetization. Uh. And so, you know, that, that's, uh, that's kind of uh, my piece uh, for it. Uh, I do thoroughly enjoy Diablo Immortal. Uh, the, the game itself is amazingly fun. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the focus is, of course, on PvP elements with the cycle of strife and such, but you really don't have to engage in it if you don't want to. You can even actually engage in the cycle of strife and become a shadow and do zero PvP. And just like it's cool i get some cool bonuses for being a shadow so i'm going to go through and do that or just be an adventure and not care one way or the other uh the immortals are kind of forced into it with their daily goals a lot of it involves doing battlegrounds and such so you've got to as well as the immortals just being forced uh you can be a shadow not join a dark house not really care about anything that's going on but the immortals will always be called to battle every right of exile um, so there's there's a little bit uh, less uh, opt-in on that one um, but uh, the the raids uh, the LaSalle raid feels awesome you know compared to how that fight was going in the previous one can't wait for the next raid to open up at some point uh, during the, uh, the the closed beta that's going to be very interesting um, you know but uh, but yeah I mean gameplay is cool it's awesome if you enjoy Diablo 3 you're going to love Diablo Immortal because the, the gameplay is all built on you know making those systems better uh, you know and it, it will be worth your time to go through checkout play through the story maybe come back every time that they add in a, a new a new content patch because it is going to be something that they're going to add regularly whether they be new zones new dungeons new classes and such it's going to get a ton of content uh, and all of that content will be free uh, and if you don't really care about going through and competing in the PvP side of it, the pay-to-win mechanics won't be, um, you know, as blatant. Um, but, you know, we will, of course, have to see where where the game or ecosystem ends up being. Right now in the beta, you know, there's, there's, there's like, literally thousands of uh, people that are going through and playing in the Australia and the Canadian servers. Uh, and so you don't see um, people specifically looking for whales. You know, or groups being formed around like whales only or anything like that. Uh, so it's not that much of an issue yet. We'll have to wait and see. You know what what that looks like. You know, in a, a month or two, or once the game itself comes out. Um, yeah, that that kind of like wraps up uh, my thoughts and all the Diablo updates and such. I I do want to go through and dig down deep into some of the cool things in uh, Diablo Immortal, specifically some of my thoughts and. Uh, um, 
opinions, more of like a deep dive on the necromancer and such. Um, and so look forward to that in future episodes. Uh, you know, uh, but otherwise, uh, feel free. You know, you can always go through, follow the show. I record uh, live every other Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash blizzpro. You can also find all prior episodes of the show uh, over on YouTube. Uh, you can also find, like, the most recent episodes on Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, you know, the, the show is around a lot of places. If you have any questions, comments, feedbacks, or concerns, feel, feel free to drop me a line at westmarchworkshop at bluespro.com. Again, that email address is westmarchworkshop at bluespro.com. As well as just check and see when the show goes live over on Twitter at the WM Workshop. Or you can always go through and find my uh, my full unfiltered and carefree comments on Twitter at NineBallGamer. I talk a lot about Diablo, uh, Blizzard in general, and a hell of a lot of Warcraft late. Not Warcraft, Warhammer. God, fire me for that one. But yeah, I'm a big Warhammer fan, so I've been doing a lot of stuff over there. So feel, feel free to go through and catch that. Um, as well as just come hang out here for the, the live shows. Um, yeah, with that, I'll uh, catch you all next time. Uh, you know, the next episode is currently scheduled to go live the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, I do plan on making that recording, uh, but just keep a uh, just keep an eye on Twitter. Um, you know, just to confirm in case I have to go and change the timing on that one. But until next time, uh, you have a, a good night and uh, some good times over in Sanctuary. <laughs>